What's up, star friends? Welcome to Starfield Pulse episode 19 for September 21st, 2023. I think Earth, Wind, and Fire made a song about that day. In fact, I know they did. Regardless, I'm your host, Rob, and thanks for joining me on tonight. We had a lot of interesting news come out and some pretty big announcements. One of the biggest being that Starfield has reached 10 million players. So congratulations to Bethesda and Microsoft for their accomplishment of hitting 10 million players for Starfield. That's massive. And that is the biggest launch that Starfield has. That is the biggest launch that Bethesda Game Studios has had so far. So cheers to them as well. And thanks to all of you that have showed up to say hello this evening. I appreciate it. That said, let's hop into, and you're not seeing the screen that I'm supposed to be sharing. Sorry about that. Bethesda shared this on their social media. Thanks to an astronomical 10 million Starfield players. So, like I mentioned, that is the biggest launch that Bethesda Game Studios has had so far. 10 million players in under a month. That is, uh, you know, nothing to scoff at. Curious, you know, if we will ever see any kind of transparency and see what like the sales numbers versus how many players are actually playing that on game pass. But Hey, you know, strategically that's what Microsoft wants. They want people on game pass. So I guess it really doesn't matter too much how they're getting there. They just want to see people are in fact getting there. Speaking of other Starfield news, we had some interesting news about music as well. They tweeted out, they had Starfield lo-fi girl remixes come out and you know i think we could play this and not really have to worry too much about getting a uh, a content strike on the channel but regardless i'm not going to but you can see that they put this this is actually up on their official youtube channel so if you are a content creator or a streamer out there and you want to have something to listen to while you're playing your games you can go here. In fact, I don't know that I'd put those in your YouTube videos, but you should be safe to uh, stream these while you're playing the game. The uh, Again, it does have the Lo-Fi Girl animation style, so it does look pretty nice. There's a couple different backgrounds as you skip around through the tracks. Uh, Vasco appears in your... I almost said cabin, <laughs> but he appears in the cockpit. So you can go around and just see some different sites and listen to some lo-fi girls music uh, and enjoy that, that Bethesda sound. Speaking though, again, of music videos, why can I, the name of the band is temporarily Imagine Dragons. There we go. Those, those boys from Vegas, Imagine Dragons and their Starfield song, which I've shared my opinion on that. I'm not too keen on it. Nothing against them. They do have some songs that I enjoy. This one just unfortunately for me was a miss. But they did put a official music video out for that as well, not just a lyrics video like they released previously around the release of the game. They had a full-on video come out for that. Speaking of videos, their Bethesda also put out a making of that live-action trailer video as well. So if you're curious what all went into the making of that live-action trailer, you can go ahead and watch that. Again, you can find that on Bethesda Softworks' official YouTube video. It's called The Making of the Starfield Live Action Trailer. And that is kind of the culmination of the series Adam Savage's Starfield spaceship model that they were working on. 
The last one being completed. So they didn't have a whole lot further they can go with that. But that's really not the biggest news of the week. The biggest news of the week really has to deal with the discovery of some leaked Xbox documents that came out during that FTC trial. And now some of you might now be like, why are we talking about strictly Xbox stuff? Well, because this also deals with some documents that came from ZeniMax Studios, you know, the parent company of Bethesda Game Studios. And it has some projections that we're going to get into a little bit later in the show, so it'll tie it all together. But first, let's actually go ahead and talk a little bit of some different mods and some news around those mods that happened in the last week as well. This one actually probably goes back a little bit further, but there's been some new uh, articles that have popped up around it, so I wanted to go ahead and touch base on that one. Nexus Mods boots Starfield mod that removed pronoun options. And they said, frankly, we're not sad to see them go. This one actually, I think this happened a while ago, but this this alert, I it hit my inbox on the 18th. I saw some rumblings about it on social media. You know, I t- totally stand by Nexus Mods' removal of mods from that they th- feel are inappropriate from their platform. And quite frankly, uh, it that was inappropriate. They're saying that, the popular mod platform has held a steady on its decision despite reactions from a loud minority of Starfield fans who have chimed in on the game's Steam page and community forum. Frankly, we are not sad to see them go, Nexus Mod told 404 Media, noting that the vitriol came from a small part of the broader mod community. It's not a political statement or an alignment to one side or the other in the culture war, Nexus Mod said. We stand for diversity and inclusion in our community, and the removal of diversity while appealing to many does not promote a positive modding community. I don't even think it's appealing to many. I think it's just appealing to some, you know, overly pampered babies. And if you fit that description, I'm sorry. <laughs> if, you, if you're upset that other people get to choose what their pronouns are, I mean, of all the things in the world that could make you upset, if that's one of them, I think you have some self-discovery to go through, and uh, I hope you find a better outlet for your angst, because that probably should not be one of them. This mod was the end point of some toxic discourse surrounding Bethesda's new space opera RPG in the weeks following the game's release. A YouTuber made a viral rant about the pronoun options in the game's character creation screen. Players can choose between she, her, her, him, and they, them, claiming this broke immersion. In the days following the rant, the Steam discussion forums had a few trending discussions about Starfield being woke or political. I don't really see it being either of those. I think it's just see it keeping with the times. While the initial wave of conversation has died down, this mod and this removal seems to have inspired another wave of conversation. Another round of reviewers clearly upset by this minor character creation option have left negative scores on Star- Starfield's Steam page citing awful character creator and politics, if you know, you know, as recently as Monday. You know what I like about all the people that get really upset about this stuff and then start, you know complaining about it, they self-identify themselves as morons. So it it makes them really easy to avoid, especially in social media. If you see somebody pop up and they start crying about this, mute. I have zero tolerance for this. It's, it's, It's very easy. If you pop up and you complain about these things, mute, ignore, block. It's, it's so easy. Hopefully Elon doesn't decide to change that and remove that option from us. But as it stands, we can still do that. And it is wonderful. Uh, that said, Let's go over to the next one. I spawned hundreds of Starfield NPCs and made them fight each other, and the winner was a guy named Bill. 
So this person is playing Starfield the way it should be, having an absolute blast and doing crazy stuff along the way. I don't know if I'll ever play through a Bethesda game properly because I can't take more than a dozen steps into one of their open worlds without opening up the dev console to spawn a bunch of perishable food items or turn off gravity or otherwise distract myself from whatever quest I'm supposed to be doing. I'm already using Starfield console commands to set up battles between hundreds of robots, security guards, and bugs. And I've only just arrived at New Atlantis, the very first city that you visit in Starfield. There are just so many discoveries to make that it's hard to want to go back to actually playing the game once you've started messing with the console. For instance, the first thing I discovered when attempting to simulate Starfield battles is that some NPC IDs refer to the corpses of those NPCs, not living characters. Worse, when you spawn 30 dead botanists, their bodies become entangled and form a vibrating sphere of limbs and heads that undulate until each body frees itself and flops to the ground. That is truly terrifying. And for those of you that are watching, you can see what it looks like uh, on your screen. And for those of you listening, I will definitely put a link in the show notes so you can go ahead and when you're free or you know, you're in a safe place, go ahead and look this up and it is kind of hysterical. And just to be clear, that article was from PC Gamer. And so, yeah, <laughs> there is a lot, a, <laughs> there is a ton of wreckage and gore all across their, their, uh, their Imgur ca- captions that they have here. It's pretty funny. The next one I picked uh, out this week was actually uh, from PC Gamer. And they've had quite a few that seem to be, you know, less down on the game and more just having fun with it. Bethesda finally put proper ladders in the game, so of course players have dedicated themselves to designing Starfield ships without any. What did the ladders do to you? That's the subtitle. I love that one. So thanks, Jonathan Bolding, for the good laugh. After all these years, Bethesda Game Studios has finally released one of its signature first-person RPGs with functional ladders. Glorified teleporters no more. Starfield's ladders have proper interacting, climbing animations, and since Starfield makes an attempt at somewhat realistic spacecraft design, its ships naturally contain lots of them. Also naturally, because it's just a few of the universe that players will defy game developers in every possible way they can, one person has dedicated their Starfield shipbuilding efforts to avoiding ladders. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Is this like the obstinate child in class that just is defiant and won't do whatever you ask them to because they're like, nope, not going to do it. You told me to, so I will not. I think I had a kid like that. No, I'm just kidding. I did. Those of you that are listening, you don't see me shaking my head. Yes. (laughs) I'm just kidding, kids. The superiority of Stroud Eklund's side-mounted bay, truly zero ladders, 9,000 cargo, 68 mobility, and 130 speed, no mods, said amateur spaceship engineer Amarax in a Reddit post, describing their build. It was swiftly followed by requests for a tutorial. Other ladder-hating players hungrily strike cursed and hateful rungs from their ships. Amarax made just that, a guide to no-ladder Starfield ships. And again, that is a post on Reddit that this article is derived from. And again, I will put a link to this article in the show notes. So if you want to see this beauty in action, it is quite, uh, it's quite nice, actually. It's uh, something to behold. You'll need level 58 for the reactor and 60 for the engines. You can pick up cockpit on Titan, engines on Mars, then piece all the structural stuff together on a personal habitat platform. You'll also need Starship Design Rank 3 for the cargo modules and Rank 4 for the reactor engines, grav drive, and fuel canisters. So this isn't for the faint of heart, and this isn't for the person who just started playing last week, unless you level very quickly. Or, you know, if you just um, <laughs> if you just console command yourself up there. But regardless, uh, again, that will be in the notes as well. 
Another interesting mod, Starfield Modder just made it way easier to explore New Atlantis because, you know, people hate maps, apparently. No, we don't. We really love maps. They're very nice and helpful. I appreciate them anytime we can have them. So thank you to this modder who just made it easier for me to explore New Atlantis. And it, it looks like they did it in a very intelligent way. It's not just, hey, there's a new mini-map on your screen, which wasn't there to begin with and shouldn't be there. This is... It looks like uh, one of those, you know, like if you were at a train station and you were to see a map on a board. Yeah, it looks something very similar to that. Starfield is a massive open world that's itching to be explored. Blah, 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 blah. Spotted by PC gamer, modder, just okay gamer has created a mod that adds a map of New Atlantis inside the city. The maps replace the billboard advertisement stands found across the city. As you can see in the image below, the map's inclusion is akin to seeing one of those directories you approach at the mall when you need to find something. Yeah, I guess you could say it's a mall directory too, but I I prefer my uh, my train, you know, my train or subway map <laughs> comparison. It's based on a game map of New Atlantis made by Walshtick Anton Wix, a game-maps.com contributor. If you don't want to install the mod for any reason, however, you can also check out IGN's interactive maps that they have, which uh, I think is basically just Map Genie IO. Uh, so, anyways, again, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, this next one that I just showed you is how to create automatic animated subtitles in DaVinci Resolve 18.5. You probably don't care about that, but <laughs> that's what happens when you sometimes get clicking too quick. But now let's get back to some more Microsoft slash big picture ZeniMax management related issues. So as most of us are aware, Microsoft was embroiled with the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission in the United States over whether or not they were going to be allowed to purchase Activision Blizzard. And one of the, one of the things that happens in a trial is they have discovery. And in the discovery phase, different parties are required to provide, you know, evidence or documents. And my neighbor is actually texting me right now asking me, did you see the Xbox leaks? Like a new Model X that may be without a disc, new console in 28. And, I, and I'm literally sitting here talking about it on my podcast. He's a great neighbor. <laughs> I hope you watch this later, Nick, and know. So anyways, ZeniMax Management Forecast. Time release schedule, FYI, so again, this was made back in 2020, so this is about three years old, maybe like in 2019, but again, this was had to be uh, provided as part of the discovery, so this is old, it's not brand new, uh, Doom Eternal and DLC, the Elder these are things they predicted to be out in 2020, the Elder Scrolls Online Greymore, Fallout Wastelanders, Deathloop, and then free-to-play mobile, they had Fallout Shelter Online and Project Whirlwind. We, we don't, as far as I know, know what Project Whirlwind is yet. Um, we do know that Doom Eternal and DLC did come out. The Elder Scrolls Online did have a Greymore expansion. Fallout Wastelanders has finally come out, and Deathloop did come out. So some of these things did come out, not necessarily in the same time frame. As we see here, FYI21E, Starfield, right? So Starfield was obviously delayed, and it was delayed more than once. Elder Scrolls Online expansion. Again, Elder Scrolls Online did get their expansion. Redfall. So Redfall did come out. It did, obviously didn't come out in 21. It came out in 23. Both of these things were delayed. This was pre-pandemic, so they weren't really expecting to have these massive delays. Uh, Doom Eternal DLC, that I believe did come out. Ghostwire Tokyo, as we know, came out. Fallout Worlds came out. 
which is Fallout 76, and Project Hibiki. Uh, I believe, and others believe as well, that Project Hibiki was probably what ended up being Hi-Fi Rush. So if you're like, well, what is this? Hi-Fi Rush that Shadow dropped earlier this year. So as we're seeing, there's about a two-year delay on some of these big uh, projects that were coming out of Bethesda. Then we have Project Ubu and Project Wanderer. I'm not too sure what those are. Those are mobile. So they, again, we do see that ZeniMax had their site set on mobile, and they were creating mobile games. Um, we had Elder Scrolls Blades. Uh, we've had Fallout Shelter. So it's it wasn't unheard of that they would be uh, creating these mobile games already, even before they had Microsoft's uh, interference. And FYA22E, we have Anita Jones game, Oblivion Remaster, Elder Scrolls Online expansion, Starfield DLC, and three planned titles. So th- a, a big delay we see is in the mobile titles too, because I don't think we've seen a lot of mobile titles come out of Bethesda yet, even though we know that they are, Microsoft as a whole is going, I shouldn't say all in, but they are really pushing towards mobile. And I think we can see some of that payoff that's not the right word. Payoff isn't the right word. But we can see some of the reasons why they want to do this with the Apple 15 Titanium being able to play Resident Evil 4 and Resident Evil Village. Those are pretty great looking games. And if we can start to see that kind of quality and fidelity, and those are really robust games. It's not like they're just a Candy Crush, you know, or Clash of Titans. Are we don't these are actually our castle crashers, these are actually real high quality what gamers would consider, you know, core gamers would consider games on mobile. Or so let's say that you're playing it on the go on your phone and then you get home and you cast it to your television and then you Bluetooth a controller to it. Why do you need a console anymore? I mean, and people are willing to buy these every year. So now if you're Microsoft, you're like, hey, I'm just gonna make high quality games and get have create my ecosystem, get my player base and, you know, have other people's maybe mobile devices being able to play my games and play them at the fidelity that they can now. So anyways, again, we know they're going all in on mobile. There there's shouldn't say again, not all in. We know that there's going to be a heavy push for mobile, especially with this Activision deal. So anyways, it'll be interesting to see what these pan out. But we saw that there is Starfield DLC. We do know that we're going to have one DLC soon. Uh, we don't know exactly when, but it was part of the upgrade. So, and it has a name. So it, it's, it's probably close to done if it's not done already. And they're just holding on to it to give some time for everybody to like have time with the base game before they get an official DLC. Uh, you know, we're not gonna see the DLC until I think after the modding tools and we're not gonna get the modding tools for like another three months. So it's going to be a minute before we see that DLC. Uh, additionally, Actually, and to talk more about it, that DLC was supposed to come out in 22, and the game itself was coming out in 21, but it was going to come out in November of 21. So that could have been just a few months lag time, but we'll see. And then we have Doom, Year Zero, and DLC. Project Kestrel, which apparently is being actually done by ZeniMax. So this is projected to be another MMO that is a new IP. So it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. And then we have Project Platinum, which some people are hoping that that is potentially going to be Dragon Scale, the game that they were working on with Platinum, which Microsoft was working on with Platinum Studios, but eventually shuttered. Eventually shuttered. Uh, now we could see them go back and potentially redo that. 
But what we're also, I kind of glossed over here, is that there was an Oblivion remaster in there. Uh, I believe there was another Elder Scrolls game remaster in there. Uh, personally, I'm not too keen on those. That Those don't... I don't want necessarily remasters. If they did remakes, maybe I'd be more interested, but I want new things. Give me new things. You you could reuse your old IPs. Like, I, you know, I, Elder Scrolls Six, looking forward to that very much, but I don't really want another Elder Scrolls Three, especially with the way the modding community has upheld these games. I mean, if I really wanted to play them and have them look beautiful, I'd just go get some mods and make it look great because the community has already done that for them. Uh, unless they're just trying to do this as a way to cash in. I'm just going to kind of ignore that. And then we have FYI 24E, the Elder Scrolls 6. So we already know that Starfield slid two years. And Elder Scrolls 6 here was projected 24. So we're at least looking at 26, uh, 27 at the best. And then we also know that they want to launch a console in 28. So maybe you just wait around and have Elder Scrolls 6 in 28. Project Kestrel expansion. So Project Kestrel, again, is going to be the other MMO, and it looks like that makes sense because it's going to be a, an annual cadence. It's probably similar to Elder Scrolls Online. They've really settled into that, and that game is a banger. Um, they've done a really good job of maintaining it and keeping content coming out for it at a great cadence. If you've never played it, it's, it's definitely worth diving into. I would check it out. Uh, I don't play it anymore, uh, but I did play for quite a long time. They have a licensed IP game. It'd be really interesting to see what that license is. And here we have a Fallout 3 a Fallout 3 remaster. I hope that's more of a remake. And again, that's probably going to end up being like in 26. Elder Scrolls Online expansion, nothing new there. Ghostwire Tokyo sequel. Uh, I don't know if we'll actually ever see a Ghostwire Tokyo sequel because I don't know that the original Ghostwire Tokyo did well enough to warrant a sequel. Uh, I played it. I, pl I platinumed it on the PS5 since it was out before it was on the Xbox because that was when it was still, you know, they had to honor that exclusive that exclusivity deal they had with Sony. Uh, I enjoyed it. it. It was it was a it was a good time. Um, it did become a little monotonous at times, but it was an easy game to platinum too. So I was like, hey, I'll just hang around and <laughs> and finish it off. Uh, we see a Dishonored three. Um, gotta be honest with you after I'm not a fan of prey, I thought it was a mid game. I did not really care for either of the other dishonoreds. Um, I, I played and completed uh, Redfall and I actually liked Redfall better than those, <laughs> than those other games. Uh, simply, I guess because of the style, uh, of game it was, but, I don't care if they ever make another Dishonored. So uh, if that one doesn't ever make it out, I won't be upset. I feel, you know, I Dishonored is one of those franchises where critically it was very well acclaimed. Everybody, everybody on the review side loved it, but it just didn't resonate with people and they didn't buy it. So be curious to see if that Dishonored ever comes out. Uh, personally, if I am... Microsoft, and I'm looking at this, I'm like, which of these projects can I kill and take these people and get them working on Elder Scrolls stuff or more Starfield or Fallout? Stop piddling around <laughs> uh, or build these teams up and get them folded into Bethesda and, and make it to where, you know what you don't see on this roadmap? You don't see Fallout 5. Why is that? 
It's insane to me. The reason you don't see it is because it takes five to six years to make these make another game. So if this went out to 29, you probably would have saw Fallout 5 on here. But it only goes out to 24. And that's just too long. You know, Todd's not going to... He's not an immortal. He's not going to live forever. Uh, but yeah, so this is... Uh, again, I will leave a, um, a link to this in the show notes. And you can take a look for yourself. It has some revenue projections. I'm less concerned about those. I'm more concerned about the fact of what we can kind of see from here. We only see, by the way, one Starfield DLC. We don't see anything again in FYI 20, FY 23 or fiscal year 24. It's only in that one Starfield DLC, that only one Starfield DLC. So really interesting to see if we don't get announcements for any more here soon. But in addition to new games, we also got to look at a new potential Xbox, which, by the way, it, it's like a cylinder and not a big fan, unless that's really a lot smaller than the current Xbox. I, I don't care for it. Um, I like the look of the new Xbox aesthetically, but I don't like it functionally. It's big and bulky. I prefer the S because it slides very nicely behind a television if you want it to. The X, not so much. Uh, but this is coding the Brooklyn Xbox Series X Refresh, the most powerful Xbox ever, now adorably all digital. Their words, not mine. Brooklyn will, Brooklyn will deliver 4K Gen 9 console gaming with more internal storage, faster Wi-Fi, reduced power, a more immersive controller, and a beautiful redesign that elevates the all-digital experience of the Xbox ecosystem. Giving our fans more to love. Beautiful and innovative new design, more internal storage for games, 2 terabytes, USB-C front port with power delivery, all new, more immersive controller, same great price at $499. Updated technologies, all new Southbridge to modernize IO and sustainability efforts, Wi-Fi 6E radio for better throughput latency and interface mitigation, interference mitigation, Bluetooth 5.2 radio for improved accessory experiences, and a six nanometer die shrink for improved efficiency. Improved sustainability story, reduced PSU powers by 15%, New low-power standby mode is 20% of current XSS standby mode. Increased use of PCR on housing to less or greater than 30%. 100% recyclable packaging. So there's a lot of things to really like about this. There is more internal storage. There is smaller footprint, lower power consumption. Makes it, you know, it's going to make it cheaper to run. It'll be better on your energy bill. Wi-Fi 6 is an upgrade for those of you that are on Wi-Fi over the Wi-Fi 5 that you're running now. Uh, Bluetooth for your accessories, that's all, that is better. But what I don't care for is that the name is still the Xbox Series X and it doesn't have the disc. And right now we have the Xbox Series X and the Xbox Series S. The S doesn't have a disc. The X does have an optical drive. I think you're going to create confusion. Uh, so I don't know about that. I like the internal... Storage solution. I think that the I have to check the prices on these, but I don't think the optical drive being removed and the increase in storage really offsets. I think these are going to be cheaper to make. But that said, I'm not too worried about the price being the same, staying flat and not going down. You know, I I believe that creators 
Uh, and you know, people should get paid. If you, if you make something, you should get paid for making that thing. So if Xbox wants to continue to sell their console at $500 and they're able to make it a little bit cheaper as time goes on, I'm fine with that, right? Because at first when they're selling these consoles, they're selling them at a loss, right? So it doesn't, it doesn't bother me that they're going to eventually make up that potential loss. And I know a lot of it, it's a loss leader so they can make the money on selling you the software. But at the same time, if they can make some money up on the tail end for the money they lost on the consoles originally, that doesn't bother me. I'm more, uh, I know that we're going to go to an all digital future, similar to like we already see in the PC market. I am okay with that eventually, but I think they need to wait until they hit a new generation and not try to do that this generation because they will, if they do release this Xbox and call it the Series X, and they have this current Series X on store shelves at the same time, they're going to confuse the heck out of a lot of people. But we're starting to run over on time, everybody. I really appreciate those of you that came to hang out and said hello in chat, and those of you guys that are listening to this after the fact, just kind of a space there. There's one more thing I want to show you before we go, and that is this, this Abil, which is the new Xbox controller. So this is, first off, I hate the way this looks. <laughs> I'm going to put this out there right now. Not a fan. And I hope that they're just doing this. Uh, I don't know why they're doing this. I hope they don't. But it says ubiquity, play anywhere, Xbox Wireless 2, direct to cloud, Bluetooth 5.2. People are kind of asking, what does that direct to cloud mean? I suspect that means that you will connect this controller directly to your router. Hey, Sergios, thanks for the raid. I really appreciate it. So, I suspect that direct to cloud means that they're actually going to, this will hook directly up to your router and not have to hook to your console. So that way you can, you know, for example, I have a Samsung Odyssey uh, Q8 right here, and this can hook to the cloud and play Xbox Game Pass games through the cloud. So I could hook this this controller to my router and I'd be able to play those games and have less latency. It's seamless pair and switch, new mobile app features, see paired devices in cloud, manage devices and accessories, immersion, feel the game, precision haptic feedback, VCA haptics, double speakers, accelerometer, quieter buttons, and thumbsticks. So they're starting to catch up with the dual sense here. So I prefer the ergonomics of the Xbox controller as opposed to the dual sense. So I, I'm really glad to see that they stick with the ergonomics here. But at the same time, there are technological advances in other controllers in the market and they're playing catch up. So that's great to see. Sustainability, do good, feel good. Rechargeable and swappable battery, recycled materials and less resin, repair and disassembly. One of the jokes I get, one of the consistent comments I get on my controller unboxing videos is, the AA batteries. When are they going to do away with the AA batteries? Well, I think we have our answer. With the uh, the Seabin, we will finally see them probably do away with the AA batteries, much to Duracell's chagrin. Durable and reliable. New modular thumbsticks, improved longevity, continued build improvements. So I think we're going to see that they're going to have a new OEM provider for their thumbsticks to help prevent drift. There might also be the opportunity that we have to replace the internal components on these thumbsticks easier than the current controllers. And that way, if they do wear out, it's you know something that you could purchase and easy, more easily replace than have to just feel like you need to buy a new controller because your controller broke. 
approachability, engage and delight, lift to wake. So this is going to help with battery life. Basically, you'll set the controller down and it'll be dormant until you pick it up. And because it has that accelerometer in there, it'll realize, oh, somebody just picked me up. They moved me. And so now it'll actually, the controller will respond to you and this will help improve with battery life. Familiar Xbox feel. Same ergonomics as Merlin. Merlin, I'm assuming, is the, and I'm pretty sure I'm right, the current Xbox controller that we have with the Xbox series. Uh, same layout and activation forces. SE, LE, XDL options as expected. It does look like the share button has changed a little bit. It looks a little thinner in this one. The D-pad also has, it looks flatter to the rest of the, the case. So, there, there, there are some changes there. Um, we also had, again, some other things that were leaked. We have some potential FYI 23 goals that they wanted to have to reach their 2030 goals. They feel that these are things that they could use. Yeah, so there were comparisons to the Luna controller and the Stadia controller because of the cloud compatibilities. And so again, here's some more things that were leaked about their controllers and their consoles. And some people were able to actually kind of piece through here that there was something about XDL, which they believe stands for Xbox Design Lab. And we could potentially, similar to how we see custom controllers now, see custom consoles in the future. So instead of just putting wraps on them like we're going to do here in the future, we could actually get these new Xboxes and have them in custom colors because we could get them straight from the factory that way and potentially have your username engraved in them. So, but anyways, that's all the time I have for this week. Thanks for joining in. Thanks for the all the first time chatters. Thanks for the raid. I really appreciate that. I'm Rob. This is Starfield Pulse. Last night when I was recording this live, I forgot to mention I'm doing a new giveaway on my Twitter. So, or X. So if you would make your way to twitter.com slash Rob Unwraps, there's a tweet that if you like and retweet or repost, you'll be entered to win. It's that simple. And I'll draw the winner at the end of the month and I'll DM you with the code. And now I'm off to work. Remember, if you're watching this on YouTube and you enjoyed it, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button and leave a nice little comment. I really appreciate it. And if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast app, make sure if you haven't already to leave a rating. And you can always reach me at starfieldpulse at gmail.com. Thanks, and I'll see you next week. But only on Monday, because Thursday I have to travel for work, so there will not be an episode next Thursday. But I'll talk to you Monday. Have a good weekend.